Stallions. I am Brian and my assistant, Jason. Yes, Brian, I'm here. That was great. That was really great. And I just want to let everyone know that was improv. <laughs> Don't deny the key to improv. Is- we, we, we didn't work that out. Um, went with it. I, Jason, I want to tell you a wonderful compliment that I was paid recently on YouTube. Uh-huh. It said, it isn't a pod stallions until Brian yawns. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's my secret cap. I'm always sleepy. Wow. Uh, you know, let's pull back the curtain and explain that you live on the Sunshine Coast. And I live in... Uh, Canada on the old Kanada, Kanuckleston, and I live on that, and uh, I live in that Eastern time zone, Eastern Standard time zone, and I'm also like the type that's in bed by 10, so... uh, Yeah, we're like the, we're like the mismatched... Yeah, yeah, and also... We're recording this at Canadian Thanksgiving, right? So I am full of turkey and red wine, and it's uh, it's earlier here. Obviously, I'm I'm the person who's usually up until two, three three o'clock in the morning, morning, watching stuff and writing and reading and all kinds of. my schedule is very, very weird and certainly has been the last uh, five months or so. Yeah, so. you're kind of a gerbil um, because yeah. I've I've like texted you at like eight in the morning, you know, sometimes from the dog park and <laughs> you respond. Yeah. And it's like, what the hell, dude? I'm, like, I'm almost I'm I'm almost done with this episode of Night Gallery. Yeah. Just one more. Just watch one more. Dude, you're not supposed to. And you know what's funny is you're not the only Californian that does that to me. Uh, Robin, Robin Adams from the Mega Museum. Yeah. Yes. I can, I can send her a brain fart, you know, at nine in the morning and get an instant reply. And it's like, go to bed. Do you, you know, know there's, like, there's been times where it's been super early and I've kind of noticed it. And I, and I actually internally think to myself, don't answer him yet yeah. because he's going to go, what are you, it's 3.30 on yeah. a Tuesday. Why are you, what are you doing? Psycho. So I thought, just don't, just get him in the morning and make it, make him think that you've had a good night's sleep. And, and so I sometimes haven't even answered back lest I get a reputation. I wanted to but, get out of a, 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 whatchamacallit, a meeting at work once. And I had woken up at three o'clock in the morning and seen the email and I did respond saying, I don't want to have this meeting today. I don't feel well. And because it was 3 a.m., the dude wrote back, oh, my God, yes, absolutely. Oh. (laughs) It was perfect, you know. Uh, But, yeah, I don't – I understand where you're coming from there. Um, Yeah. um, And so what we thought we would do was we usually do two episodes in October. By the way, is there – is you know – was anything else said on the YouTube? Like, like you've got a trademark. Apparently, it's not. It's not an episode of Pod Stallions until Brian's laughed. Was there no any Brian yawns? It's or B- Brian yawns. Sorry. Was there a follow up? Like, it's not a. No, not a, that that was until, just the, the most recent one. Until Jason does. There's a, been a bunch. Uh, you know, there's Mark Hamill and Seth Rogen. 
I think we've been through a bunch of them. Wait, Mark Hamill and Seth Rogen. What was it? Yeah, they're. You've heard that before, right? Oh, oh the, the, that I sound like somebody, you mean? You sound like Mark Hamill and I sound like Seth Rogen. Oh, no, I never, I don't think I ever heard the Seth Rogen thing. Oh, right? no way, really? Okay, yeah. That. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. I think well, you get the better end of the deal on that, but um, I also yeah. don't want to fight that too much. going to get more tell you that much. What's that? Yeah. Um, so, so what we do every October is we try to do two Halloween episodes or, or absolutely. Cause we're both monster nuts. We're both monster and Halloween nuts. Um, so this first one we're going to do, we thought, um, we would do one of those, what I've been watching lately, but very much horror and monster themed, uh, yeah. because oddly enough, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of that recently and I'm guessing maybe you have as well. Uh, yes so, and no. So okay. this will be an interesting episode. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, you want to kick it off? Tell us what you've been... Um... Okay. Well, for the, the, the one thing I want to just point out is that um, I have been deep into a new project that I've been working on. And I kind of have lost track of time. So I've forgotten it's October. And... Um, also, I guess to be kind of fair, I um I'm one of those guys that watches horror movies, you know, two like 365. Yeah. And so October to me, while I enjoy it, is sort of like, oh, I'm gonna go to a bar and drink a beer on St. Patrick's Day. That's tourist day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Funny to hear that because I I do a fair amount as well. It's yeah. just like. I do find when it gets to October because I love this time so oh, me much too. that I go, I go, I could, I could watch this old Robert Mitchum. No, 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 no. You should yeah. don't, don't waste a night. Don't waste a moment in this time to get into the spirit. So I've been, I've been sort of anticipating even prior to October and getting a little monster, a little monster. Okay. Rate. It's um, also been un, unconsciously hot here. Oh, so it's like humid here. Ninety-five degrees in October. Yeah. So I haven't really been in the um, October mood, and I have been buying a lot of Blu-rays and DVDs lately. But uh, yeah, it's been crazy on on the fact that I've been buying mainly post-apocalyptic Italian films. And is it though? No, it's completely in character, but it's just completely. Uh, yeah. Uh, so when when you and I first discussed this topic, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, no, I haven't really been doing much of that. Um, so in the last couple of days, I have tried to straighten up and watch horror films. And uh, yeah, I picked up a couple and the first one I tried to watch was an Italian film called Zombie 4. Uh, this is a continuation of uh, the, the, I don't know if you know this, but Zombie, there is no Zombie 1. Uh, zombie 2 well, wait, is... Wait, isn't Zombie 1 the Fulci zombie? Yeah, it's Fulci zombie. Yeah. 
which is actually was actually sold as Zombie Two. Oh, I see. Because I Zombie One was Day of the Dead. Oh, really? Yeah, in Italy, Zombie uh, Day of the Dead was sold as Zombie. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, so Zombie Two is Zombie. Zombie, yeah. God, so it's, it's okay. like it's like Wolverine, X Men Origins Wolverine, and then the Wolverine. Or I like, guess so, except uh, that like you know, Zombie Two or Zombie, which I adore, is um, you know an unrelated sequel to Day of the Dead, oh, and uh, then Zombie Three, uh, half directed by Fulci and half directed by somebody else. I guess Fulci got very very sick on the set. And uh, I fell in love with this film. It's it's essentially a remake of like Return of the Living Dead. You know, they're they're all unrelated. Mm-hmm. So I attempted to watch Zombie Four, which came out in 1989, and I think I got about half an hour into it. And honestly, dude, I just wasn't having it. Um, just uh, just not enough zombies. Oh no, sir. That that was not the <laughs> too uh, much story? the too much story? No, not enough story. Oh. It literally starts with a group of people uh getting the zombie curse, you know. It, it again goes back to not a chemical thing or, you know, not a science mm-hmm. thing, but like a voodoo thing. And um it just starts and you're sort of like all right you know like you're watching people's faces getting ripped off and well done effects Mm -hmm. and um all these people die and you're Mm -hmm. like i don't care about these people because i just met them and then uh that's rude the part that just made me tap out was you're getting a new group of people that are coming into the zombie by a boat, you know. Mm-hmm. They're going to go to the zombie island. They know there's zombie islands, so it's established in the continuity. And this woman goes, yeah, this is a key around her neck. And she goes, this is apparently supposed to close the gates to hell. And you're like, yeah, that that's a normal thing a human being <laughs> says. And... um. Yeah, I just kind of like it just felt childish, I guess. Hmm. And um you tapped out. I tapped out. I I, I was like, "Ah, this is just so bad." Mm. And you know, def- you know, people in the comments, if you like this movie, uh tell me why. Uh cuz I, you know, I'm a fan of terrible. I I'm a fan of Italian schlock horror. But this just was like the weakest thing I've ever had to sit through where the effects were good, the acting is terrible, you know, to be to be expected. But why was I there? Do you know what that's, I mean? That's a t shirt right there. I'm yeah. a fan I'm a fan of terrible. Yeah, I absolutely a fan of terrible. And um that will be a recurring theme 
in my what we're watching horror stuff. Okay, well, thanks for the thanks for the heads up on that. Um, oh, yeah. On that note, I'm going to give a, a quick shout out to our pal, uh, Ned, Ned Hastings. Oh, yeah, I love Ned. Who um, is uh, such a good, good guy and such a, a uh, savant with, with so much, you know, classic film and, and, and uh, horror and, and just pop culture. He, he knows a ton of stuff. And he's also uh, a bit of a... Um, a mixed blessing because he will, you know, of course he'll send me texts and go, look at, look at, look what Arrow is doing. Arrow's putting out a new DVD set of something or, um, and I've been getting, I love arrows. Indicator and Arrow are just like the, the amount of extras they put on these things. Um, the indicator stuff, I'm getting a lot of stuff from the UK, uh, like these hammer sets that they've done. Um, there's a Christopher Lee set that's being done, I think by, um, what's the one it's not arrow and it's not indicator. It's, uh, what's the other one? The weird one, Severin Severin's doing like this box set of Christopher Severin Lee. films is yeah. absolutely, but bulletproof he, to me. he turned me on to this set. Uh, it's called cold war creatures, uh, uh, four films from Sam Katzman and none of them have, I don't think I've heard of before. Uh, but there's four in the set, all like in the early to mid 50s. Uh, Creature with the Atom Brain, The Werewolf, Zombies of Mora, Mora Tau, and The Giant Claw. And they're total B pictures. Oh, yeah. The Giant Claw is uh, something I have a little bit of familiarity with in that um, the cast of The Giant Claw did not realize what the monster looked like. Well, and. The- yeah, that's not that's not too surprising, but it's yeah. but it's because they they they're B pictures for sure. But there's some really great writing like like they re, they're really done very, uh, you know, you, you can see the seams and you can see the, you know, the audio's bad, some fight things or whatever. But there's really some unsettling stuff uh, for the time and some heady stuff, you know, for a zombie picture or for the werewolf one that they that they did um, very very hubba hubba with the with the the innuendo and especially the female characters in it there's just it's just in 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 a way that you didn't see in most mainstream films at the time um but they have just been a delight they have been a fun surprise because you think you're gonna you're gonna watch something really you know really held together with 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 masking tape and it's not the case they 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 do a really nice job with with all of these um, and you should really watch them in order because you can see them getting, you know, the di- the differences and then it culminating in the, you know, the giant claw, which is pretty, pretty silly. And yet there's there's really good dialogue. Uh, some of it goes on a little too long, in fact, between the you know the male and female characters and the flirtations and, and so on. Uh, but the extras on this set and it's a beautifully done set the artwork on the packaging all this original artwork and stuff i'm sorry originally created for the the arrow set um you know and a a booklet and you know little you know repro lobby card type things um but uh and i think he just got his set but i've been telling him like you're going to be in for a surprise they're really well done they're they're fun um so that's been kind of fun to to dig into and uh and a william castle set that I got. Oh, wow. I really wanted this, the volume one, but it sold out just before I went to get it. Volume two has a uh, straight jacket uh, and uh, the old dark house, which I don't, I think I saw once as a kid. 
and it's got um, 13 Frightened Girls, which I couldn't even finish. And then a movie called Zots with uh, Tom Poston. Oh, Zots with Tom Poston. Yeah, I've yeah. heard of Zots. Yeah, it's a really fun and loads of extras, loads of extras. I hadn't seen Straight Jacket in forever, but it is such a camp fest. Uh, you know, Joan Crawford and, you know, Pepsi placement, you know, within the movie and stuff, because she was at that point, I think she was. I think she was a widow at that point, maybe. Yeah, but she was, yeah, she had to have Pepsi and everything. Had to have Pepsi and there's a guy that plays this doctor that comes to check on her since she's been released from the asylum. And it, apparently he was like a he was like a CEO of Pepsi. He'd never acted and just like <laughs> movie. And you can of course you can tell when you're watching it. But um stuff like that has just been really fun to dip into. You, you know, and I'm f- flipping between that and weird exploitation stuff on on prime or some of the joe bob stuff that he's doing you know, over the years of um even stuff like uh the hills have eyes which i haven't seen since since i was a kid probably um but this is the stuff i've been digging most into or the the dvds that i've been picking up that's funny you mentioned that um the hills have eyes because uh a good friend of mine is doing a documentary on dave stevens the creator of um Oh, the Rocketeer and um, Rob, who also edits Toy Venture magazine and edited my book, Rack Toys and my upcoming book. uh, He asked me if, you know, he asked for anybody if they had uh, footage of conventions where Dave Stevens was at. And Mm -hmm. I I did, but I uh, didn't have any footage of dave stevens himself i met him at the convention but it wasn't you know vhs worthy Mm -hmm. and he said well you know that would still be valuable so what he did i sent him the vhs tape and he converted it and he sent me back the tape and you know it has like a lot of really fun moments in it it has and i posted it in the pod stallions group uh, a shot of me dressed as Ash from Evil Dead shooting mm. the Logan's Run gun because uh, I met a guy in a, in a bathroom that just happened to have a working Logan's Run Sandman blaster that fired the flames out. Mm. And uh, a lot of innuendo in that sentence. But yeah, no, it was it was weird, dude. Um, and there was also a part. Where at the time, you know, my girlfriend was uh, creeped out by Michael Berryman. Like he, you know, he, his persona on screen was so good that she was like, oh, that guy gives me the creeps. He scares me. Yeah. And so I had an opportunity in the spring, I think of like 1993 or 1994. I can't remember. Probably 93. Um to meet him mm-hmm. at a chiller theater and uh what i did was like my girlfriend and i we lived very far apart we lived about eight hours apart so i would send her tapes of things you know i'd send her videotapes and at this one point i sent her a videotape but at the start of it is an introduction uh, to the tape from michael berryman oh wow like oh, from the hills great. have eyes and he's like hello michelle uh, and uh he by the uh-huh. way is an incredibly sweet man 
Like, yeah, everything I've seen of him, it seems like just. Oh my story. God, what a lovely dude. Um, so. Well, that's to do with his 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 father, right? His father was exposed to to something to to, to during, during the war, like a, a a test a test run, a bombing I didn't run. Know that I did know his father was like a doctor. Yeah. Um, and and he was born with with certain uh, defects. But he is yeah like he had no uh, sweat glands or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And um yeah he I I've actually read several interviews with him. I think the first one in Psychotronic magazine. I've always kind of uh, liked him, you know, from reading everything I've said. So he was just delightful. And I of course didn't let him know that my girlfriend was scared of him. Yeah. Because even though I'm sure he understands, uh, I, you know, I didn't want to say that. I just was like, hey, this is my girlfriend. Could you do a little message to her? And he was like, he was just so uh, convivial about the whole thing. And he was just uh, such a nice man. And, right. and just that popped up on that tape. And it's like, oh, man, he's such a good dude. Like, yeah, yeah. it's. It's funny that when I think of The Hills Have Eyes, like, you know, being a kid and starting to understand what horror movies are, like not just yeah. the, the universal stuff that we we saw as as little kids. And then you get to, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, you know, and, and you know, Starlog and Fangoria. My cousin would get Fangoria every month and then he'd sort of have it for a month and give it to me. And but I would get Starlog and Fangoria was always this kind of. You know, because I would get famous monsters, but Fangoria was like a step up. It was like, yeah. you know, it was like, well, it was like Starlog was a step up from uh, famous monsters as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was like it was Playboy. serious journalism. Yeah. So 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 he would give me those. And then, like, you know, you you know that, of course, this was the early 80s. So it's the slasher boom and a lot of this stuff, a lot of the cover stories and, you know, uh, are to do with those kinds of films. But I remember, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Hills Have Eyes were these two titles that always loomed large as like, no, 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 you're not ready for that. Like, no, that's really, that's really bad. Like it's, you know, it's really, their legend loomed so large that were so disturbing, you know, and even, you know, a year or two after understanding what they were like, I spit on your grave and really kind of understanding what exploitation was or what some of these movies were and stuff. I was trying to figure out when I first saw The Hills Have Eyes. Um, and it, I might've been maybe 13 or something maybe when my cousin would would rent it um and i bet i haven't seen it since is that I, that cousin that yeah cousin yeah David. yeah yeah, same David. yeah yeah he was renting all this stuff and i'd be over there and see things that i wouldn't normally be able to rent or see and um but that's probably the last time i saw it so i don't really and it is, i don't know if i've ever sat through the whole thing um it's really um it's disturbing, but it's not disturb. You know, it's just kind of everything is bigger and broader. It's kind of like I don't think I think it's it certainly borrows from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which well, is definitely yeah. Which whatever you think of it, it is it is a one off. It is a pretty pretty uh, crazy uh, film, but um, yeah, so stuff like that. But I try to go into the into the classics or the things that are sort of um, you know. Um, not quite the household um, names. One of the other ones I, I picked up, and again, this is this is Indicator, which I think Indicator might be the the UK Arrow. I don't know. The, even the website's called something different. But did you ever see Night of the Demon? Night you remember this of movie? The Demon. 
Oh, wait. Um, I'm going to have to look this up. It's so, so good. It's so good. Oh, I, my God. Yeah, I have. That monster is amazing. I um, love that monster. I yeah. love that. Oh, and yeah. No, that is a that is a 10 out of 10 movie. That is great. It's British film, right? It's a it's a British film and it's um it's based on a story by M R James who was who was this um was he Oxford or Cambridge he was like a professor that would get these you know the upper you know the the posh whatever they were the, the, the honor students at, at Christmas time and he'd tell these stories like like Mark Gatiss is a big fan of of M R James and his adapted stuff for Christmas on the BBC and stuff like that um and and um you know the, everybody all the making of stuff. Everybody, I think, I think Ken Adam did all the Bond sets, you know, in the early Bonds and Dr. Strangelove. He was set designer on this. And, uh, but it's, 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 really, also, it's also called Curse of the Demon. Curse of the Demon. That's right. It can't, I think in the U.S. it was called Curse of the Demon and the U.K. It was Night of the Demon, maybe. Or the other yeah. One. Yeah. I have a good friend uh, who's in the Pod Stallions group, actually, Brian. He, he champions this film. He loves this film. It, it, it's really a, um, it's really a cut above just the just the uh, the themes of it. You know, the, the you know, there's there's, you know, uh, somebody goes goes something happens or somebody dies or goes missing. This acquaintance of his comes to, to England to find out you know, what happened sort of thing. And it's about a curse that gets passed along or this. And there's a strange character that's kind of in touch with, you know, uh, Satanism. And that's um, one is some, some things are kind of alluded to and some things are kind of said, but it's just. It's just really well done. And then it climaxes with, uh, you know, the, the, you see the, you know, the creature, you see drawings and stuff in the, the creature yeah, show. It's, it's, it's a magical creature. I think so too. And everybody that's sort of associated with the making of it or, or even analysis seems to say, well, I think that's the part that kind of, and I go, what are you talking about? That's a great money shot. Oh that, yeah. No. That thing is great. Um, and so I really enjoy, so this, this, this one comes with like both, there's a bunch of different cuts too. There's a fascinating, like 15 minute documentary about the number of cuts, and they play them side by side. And they're so it's so fascinating to me. Some of these these you know uh, not household name type movies that um, get all this this tinkering done to them for some reason, uh, where these different versions are are floating around out there. Um, but that was really great. I hadn't I totally seen it on. And uh, I recommend uh, picking that one up. Yeah, no, that that is a great pick. What else are you watching? Well, um, again, um, <laughs> I've had some luck. Uh, another film that I picked up was uh, my son is away in college. And um, who's in that? I, no, it was just yeah. me building up to the story. I'm sorry. Uh, my son's away in college, and the store in his town, the record store, is the most wonderfully curated record store I've ever been in, where they do everything by the artisanal brands. Oh. And I picked up a film uh, that I'd never heard of, and it was a uh, made in the Philippines. Uh, would you first of all Philippines made films are a thing of mine and then uh, it had 
Vic Diaz in it. And Vic Diaz is uh, a person that um, uh, Quentin Tarantino called the Asian Peter Laurie. And it is my goal in life to watch. I, I was going to say, that's, that's your third book. Is yeah. The every, every Diaz film. Every yeah, Vic no, Diaz it is my goal in this life to watch every um, Vic Diaz. Vic Diaz movie. Yeah, world and um, a good goal. So, yeah, it's a good goal. Uh, he makes every film better. The star of this movie is uh, Craig Littler. Oh who, no way! Yeah, who what I year? what year is that? Nineteen seventy-two. No. So shit. Craig Littler, of course, is Jason from Jason and Star Command, and he's Captain Fishstick. And he was also, certainly in America, ran for a long time, were the Grey Poupon commercials, where they went in the back of the thing. And pardon me, would you have any Grey I didn't know he did that. He did that for, for, he either did a couple of those and they ran forever, or he did a campaign that they kept using him. Because I swear I did a commercial for two years with him. Pardon me, would you have any Grey Poupon? You know, and somebody hands him a thing or something. Um. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was he was in several of those. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm a giant uh, fan of Jason of Star Command. I'm a huge fan of Philippine horror films, and I'm a massive fan of Vic Diaz. So I remember sitting in that record store, going like, "How have I never heard of this?" And oh, um, yeah, yeah. Speaking of, did, did you ever respond to the thing I sent you about? About about the Who doing Tommy on stage with John Pertwee? Did uh, I did I send you that? Yeah, you did, and I'm not sure if I verbally responded, which you wouldn't have heard, or <laughs> if I and and that's like I often wake up at three in the morning, <laughs> look at my phone. <laughs> and think I dreamt crap people sent me. It's happened a lot. Unfortunately, it's happened a lot. Like, hey, I ordered Toy Ventures and I never got it. And <laughs> no, I think I think I think my my text to you was, how could this have happened? And after all, yeah, it just means we both jumped a dimension. We just found out about. Yeah, it. we're we're in a different reality. How did I not know that that the who? did a few shows of Tommy with not only John Pertwee showing up dressed as the doctor, of course. Uh, but Vivian Stanchel was there as well, uh, doing a part of the Bonzo dog doodah band. And of course the young ones were there. How could I, how could I not have known this all this time <laughs> that there was this crossover? So, so yeah. I love, love things like this find this thing you just found. Yeah. And, that bit I found about about Pertwee, where you go, isn't it nice that we can still be surprised by things? Yeah, that- no, I mean that that makes life better. And um, unfortunately, Super Beast is a really weird conundrum for me. Uh, it is a Filipino horror movie that mixes the island of Doctor Moreau with uh, the most dangerous game. Which mm. is a you know a huge trope in films, mm-hmm. and 
what's really odd about it is um, John Ashley and Eddie Romero, two massive uh, Filipino horror people, made a film called The Twilight People in the exact same year. Mm-hmm. And The Twilight People is a mashup of the most dangerous game in the island of Dr. Moreau. Mm. And it also has Pam Greer. Uh, I'm just looking to see if, oh my gosh, they didn't get Vic Diaz for that. So Vic Diaz is not in the Twilight People, but. It must have been a crap budget. Oh, no. That's the interesting thing is that Super Beast has an incredible makeup budget. It looks good. Uh, Twilight People doesn't. Twilight Speak- People has some really cheesy Roger Corman kind of effects because Roger Corman. Speaking of Super Beast, under. are you yeah. familiar with a film called uh, Day of the Beast? Spanish film from uh, um, uh, I don't mid- know mid mid nineties about a priest who who has figured out the numerical uh, day of the beast, like when the, when the, the, the Antichrist is going to be born. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, I had to look it up because I was, when you said Spanish beast film, there's a Paul Nashi film. Uh, this one is by but, Alex de la Iglesia, I think is okay. his name. Like his his first film, and it's it's just a. Tr- I've always heard about it. I've never seen it. I watched no, it. Black- more, I have not seen it either. It's yeah. very um, it's very irreverent. It's sil- It's very funny. He ba- oh. the, the priest basically basically is trying to go out and commit sins so that he can get in touch with the beast and 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 destroy the the antichrist. And he's he's figured some things out between that confusion and seeing a a television, uh, you know, occultist who can see into the future and, you know, summon demons and whatever. He he tries to find this guy and then he but he hooks up with this heavy metal fan who like can thinks he can talk to the devil through music and stuff. It's really irreverent, but it takes this turn about halfway through into like Evil Dead, uh, you know, not quite slapstick, not slapstick like Evil Dead, but very these set pieces of violence uh, that are crazy. Uh, and the climax is is bonkers. It's completely bonkers. Mm. But it's it's uh, it's worth seeking out. It's streaming on on Prime. Oh, uh, I'll have to check it out then. Yeah, Day of the Day of the Beast. He did this. This Iglesia did a couple. I, I've only seen a couple things he's done, but he did this show that was just on um, HBO Max called. I want to see. It's called Twenty Coins. Did you happen to see any of it last year? No, no, we don't get HBO Max here. Oh, okay. Well, it was this. It was a really interesting show about, um, again, this bad, but like a badass priest that sort of walked away from, you know, he went off to a little town where nobody'd know who he was because some heavy shit happened with, you know, the devil and stuff. And there are these twenty coins that had to do with the crucifixion or something. That if somebody gets all of these coins, they'll control the world, sort of thing. Um, Neat. Really- a strange hybrid of stuff, and it's the same guy, this Alex de, de la Iglesia. I'd be, I'd love to know if anybody out there knows who I'm talking about or knows his stuff, but um, I'd recommend that because it's just bonkers. It's a weird movie, um, and I found myself kind of laughing out loud a few times at how oh. silly. Um, 
So then I went and did something. The other thing I got from, did you ever see a, a Peter Cushing film called Corruption? Or, or I, I believe the US title, or original UK title might've been The Laser Doctor or Laser Killer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've never seen a film called The Laser Killer. It's from, I, I, you know, I'm surprised that I can say that with conviction. It's from 1968, it's Peter oh. It's the kind of film that, like, he, you know, afterwards went, I, I really shouldn't have made that. Like, because oh, the, the there's I think the I've heard of it. He, he, his wife has been scarred in an accident. Okay, yeah, I have heard of this. There, There's a lot of, this was like a late 60s um, trope in that the wife is scarred. And the dude is trying, like, I can remember this, like, from UHF days, you'd see three or four films like this. Well, I where, think, the, I think the, the basis, the inspiration is Eyes Without a Face. It you is, know, uh, yeah. but there, there's a couple of these films. Yeah, I, I've seen, like, this is a trope where the guy is, yeah, trying to experiment on women to, re, like... To to replenish the wife, you know, yeah, the wife's face. Yeah, yeah. This is not a, this is not a, this is funny you bring this up because I don't know what you call this genre, but I'm very well aware of it. Yes. Well, it's kind of like this. If you feel, you, you watch it and you feel like it's, it's not Hammer and it's not Amicus, you know, like, because mm. of like a few weeks ago, I kind of plowed through a bunch of Hammer stuff in one of the box sets I have. You know, the, the, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, the reptile and, and so oh, on. Oh, yeah. I got a reptile and, doll in the mail recently. Oh, nice. Yeah. My friend Migo? Sean sculpted it by Mego. Oh, oh, fun. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it's so cool because, you know, Sean's in that uh, chiller theater uh, footage. And it's like, oh, yeah, now, now he's making this stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Great. Yeah. I get one of those, but yeah. they, uh, but then I then I thought okay I'll I'll pop in some of the Amicus stuff and then I went on to Tygon which is, you know uh, Tygon's kind of like the sleazier hammer and re yeah that's a, like a kind word because once you get past Witchfinder General and um you know what's the one um Blood on Satan's Claw which is still disturbing doesn't it's that have a, a a gal from Doctor Who getting naked in it um. Um, it, it has, yeah, it's Wendy Padbury is, is gorgeous, like, beautiful Wendy. I've never watched it because I just, I know it's, I, the scene I is adore all, her scene is already unsettling and that makes yeah. it even harder to, but then they had one that was like, and now the screaming starts, which was, uh, like Ian Ogilvie and, uh, I forget her name, the other British actress. So did they, they kind of diminishing returns. I don't remember who made corruption because it wasn't i don't know who it was exactly but it was almost like they'd said we got to keep pushing the envelope we got to go we got to go bigger with this and so the violence is like you know cushing's going to get victims kind of and it's it's kind of off the wall but it takes this turn again toward the end of these these weird characters that show up in his house and kind of try to keep him and the wife hostage looking for this missing uh young woman uh and it just it's just again insane completely insane uh but there's several different cuts out there and it you know it had an x certificate when it came out and cushing sort of you know wanted nothing to do with it because he was so horrified by how how violent it turned out and so on and so forth yeah cushing um 
it was a you know he was a gentleman yes and he did a rape scene in one of the uh, hammer frankensteins it's 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 my least favorite um and he apologized to the actress yeah you know for having to do it he he just you know he was a sweet man yeah and it's um it's jarring seeing him in a, in some of these scenes, like it just doesn't quite um, quite work. But his technique in the movie is this laser procedure he could do to reconstruct faces or something. But then with yeah. some energy from these you know victims, you were able to do blah 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 whatever. Um, so so that I watched. That was a, another um, indicator um, uh, DVD set because it had these different cuts on it, and it's like a limited run sort of thing. And then I don't know what I was thinking of. I know what I was thinking of. I listened to uh, the Gilbert podcast, and he had Paul Apprentice and Richard Benjamin on. Wow. Okay. I know where you're going with this. And it was a two-parter, and I thought, please, please, somebody, somebody ask Richard Benjamin about Love at First Bite. Please. Oh, okay. I, that's not where I thought you were going. And, and they never did. And I thought, I think I've got a copy of Love at First Bite. So uh, put it on, and I haven't seen it in probably over over ten years. This children is children of the night. Shut up. Shut up. This is what I'm gonna say. Okay, very dated. Yes, kind of cringy. Yes, but a okay. lot of those a lot of those jokes still land. And Richard Benjamin is incredible. He steals the movie hands hey. down. But also, <laughs> I'm ten minutes in, and I'm going there. There is there none of this I should have been sitting in the theater seeing like this should not. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. You know, that that's a very funny. You bring that up. It is. I put that on in front of my daughter and we were watching it for a bit. And it's like, yeah, it was a different time. How how old was she? How old was she at the time? Well, she was probably like 14 or 15. I was was nine. I was. Yeah. And I think we went and saw this three times. I had the photo novel and uh, the copy of uh, Famous Monster. One of the, I had one the, of the photo books. novel. You one are the, 50. One uh, of the issues of the <laughs> just saying, God. If you was, say that line, you are 50. Where, where was where, the, one of the one of the one of the first issues of Famous Monsters I ever got was this Love at First Bite one, you know, comedic, whatever. And I went to this thing, but it is loaded with sex and and drugs and and booze and uh, mild racism. Uh, what's that? It has some mild racism. Well, okay, there's that, yes, which is very much of its time. It's oh it's, yeah, no, I you I, know it's 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 very much like you know it's like the you know the guy in Superman like yeah damn Jack that's a yeah good yeah story. the Superman it's, it's like yeah. yeah it's that kind of stuff in Superman, but um. But I just Richard Benjamin is just he's just in another world. He's just and then to see him and Dick Sean on on screen together. And that's the first time I ever saw Dick Sean. Um, uh, and, you know, because I, I, I hadn't seen the producers at that point. And then once I'd seen the producers, I kind of put that together and realized kind of who he was and the things that he would he would show up in. Um, but I hey, watched your Benjamin is Von Helsing in that, right? Yes, but he changed his name to Rosenberg to not be associated with his great great grandfather. Um, but then he, he's you know he's always getting it wrong with you know what do you think about this? And he takes out the you know the the Jewish star instead of the cross or he silver bullets you know no that's a werewolf you know 
and he's just he's just bonkers and he's really 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 funny in it. I think that might have been the first thing I ever saw him in, and I paid attention to him after that. Well, you must have seen him in Quark prior. I was trying to figure that out because was Quark seventy eight? I think so. Yeah. Okay, then I would have known him from Quark because I watched Quark. Quark I mean, I, didn't, a, I don't think like I saw all of it. One of my favorite television series. I definitely didn't see all of it, but I but I saw it and see Buck Henry. Buck Henry co-created Cork or he wrote Cork. Is that right? He, he was a co-creator of Cork. Yeah. Co-creator. And see, he would have had an association with Benjamin from way back. Right. Because because they were both in Catch-22 and and Benjamin came out of the improv world in New York. And I Buck Henry might have as well. I forget. But they must have had a bit of a history prior to, to Cork happening, I think. Possibly. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would have seen him on that before love at first bite and i just i loved that movie as a kid i saw it like three times i shouldn't have been seeing that movie you know like how many times did he did he do it uh two and a half i fell asleep the third time no how many times did he bite your neck you know like jokes like that like i didn't quite know what that meant at nine (laughs) it's Uh, all we we were just a generation of kids being raised by slightly bigger kids, you know, <laughs> it's really, uh, it's when really I think cool. about it, you know, like, uh, and I, not to, uh, not to denigrate some friends of mine, but, you know, you get these posts on Instagram or Facebook of like, yeah, we got to play outside and we got to, you know, go to the emergency room. <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, we also like, you know, like I got stitches all the time as a kid because we were just but, allowed to jump into ponds full of shopping carts and yeah, old I mean, refrigerators. Like I, I don't know how to put this in an eloquent way, but it's like we there was some bad in that, you know. Yes, oh, absolutely. And 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 the thing that I think of when I think of being nine years old in a movie like this. Yeah. I think the, I think the, the prevailing attitude must have been he's not going to get that. Check. I remember going to see nine to five. My brother, my brother, Jack, my mom, my brother, Jack and I went to see nine to five. And I only really got the jokes that that I got. I, again, I don't know why I'm seeing nine to five at nine or ten years old, but like there was nothing to see. So, you know, this is a big movie. We saw nine to five. And I remember my brother kind of very gently lecturing my mom that that was too adult a film to take me to. And there's a line from Dolly Parton uh, to Dabney Coleman where she says, if you ever you know, come at me again, I got a pistol in my purse and I will, I will turn you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Now, I had no idea what she was saying in the movie, but I remember him saying he was, she was going to shoot his genitals. And see, he, my brother zeroed in on that and went, I don't think he should be seeing something like that. But I didn't, I didn't understand it. So I think there was this notion of like, Eh, he's forget it. He's not going to get that joke anyway. Or if you had a question, you go, "What does it mean, orgasm?" You know, it's like, "That's." You'll, I'll tell you when you're when you're older. You'll, yeah. you know, I'll tell you when you. And that was it. And that was it. You just went, "Okay, I saw this thing." But having not seen it in ten or twelve years, I sat there going, "Oh my god!" I had the photo novel with these lines, like, you know, yeah. with the, like shit. And I'm, I'm tired of this macho shit, Jeffrey, you know, you know, and things like that. And I memorized the, the movie. I even knew the line still. But here's the weirdest part of this. Do you know how much that movie cost to make and what it made? 
No, I don't. It cost like three million. And it made this is in seventy-nine. It made like forty-three million dollars. Oh wow. Yeah. It was I think it was New World, maybe, that did it. I thought it was AIP. Maybe it was AIP. Maybe it was AIP. And it, it was one of the biggest things AIP ever did. It was huge. It, it's it's a fun movie. It is. Um, and Artie Johnson and, you know, Sherman Helmsley shows up. and <laughs> Always making things better. Always making uh, things better. I, I, I wanted to just point out that I was trying to think of it. Uh, I was 12 years old. <laughs> Me and my best friend. Walked mm-hmm. downtown to Brock Street in Whitby, Ontario, to the Brock Theater. <laughs> Both purchased tickets to Trading Places <laughs> and saw Jamie Curtis's boobs. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. When we were 12. Oh, yes, you did. And um, not, I actually am a stock market investor now, but I still don't completely understand. The ending to Trading Places <laughs> 40 <laughs> years later. Um, well, but, because your mind is still clouded with the image. But right? I can honestly remember going like when her boobs came on screen going, yeah, they probably shouldn't have let us in. It's like my it's like that howling story I always tell about. Sneaking into the howling right at the moment when her kit comes off, the woman. Oh, my stars. Yeah, yeah. And just getting this shiver down my spine, realizing this is the first time I've seen this in a theater, first of all. But secondly, I thought I really thought security was going to come in and grab us. (laughs) And drag us out, stand us in the lobby and say, who's with you? Where are your parents? You know, Put us in some kind of jail. <laughs> I was terrified. So it's always that any anytime if I watch The Howling and it comes to that moment, I am right back in that theater and I have that little, <laughs> the, the that little scene, jolt of the they're gonna get they gotta get out of here. <laughs> I did. I mean, I did turn to my cousins. I think we I've done get, some time. I think we should get back to. And I think the movie we were seeing, I could be wrong. I think the movie we were seeing it was either MacArthur. With Gregory Peck or oh, a, movie called, a movie called Inch On, which is like a nine hour oh, war. Yeah, movie that was that, that was, was, the, that was the, the, the moon. Cult. The Moonies. It was produced by the yeah. Moonies. I think that was the one. And it had an intermission. So we split <laughs> God, hit the boys room and God grabbed bless like, that intermission. <laughs> let's go into the howling. And it's, it was like right after it happened, I just kind of went, come on, we, we should, I think we should go now. No, 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 wait, let's just stay a little bit longer. No, I really think we should go. And then you hear the door behind you, like, Meh! you know, the theater door and you go, that's them, they're coming, we gotta get out of here. There was, was a, there was an evening in the early 90s where uh, me and a friend, I can't remember the movie we were watching. And we were like, ah, screw it. Let's just like, it was like Wednesday in October. And we started like theater hopping, um, uh, and I can't like we just went through. Uh, gosh, um, all I remember is one of the films was called Year of the Gun, and we walked into the theater and started watching about five minutes of that, and there was this throbbing glitch on the screen that gave everyone a terrible birthmark and 
we were just what year, what year was this? Uh, it, it was probably like the ninety or ninety one. Oh, okay. The year. So I'm I'm, I'm twenty years old. Okay. You and can... you know you're you're flipping and whatever movie we were watching sucked. And we were like, ah, let's go flip over to that theater. And, you know, and we, we flipped over to like two or three theaters <laughs> and started watching different films. And, yeah, Year of the Gun, there was this throbbing birthmark on everyone's face. And we were laughing because we were like, I don't know how these people are putting up with <laughs> like And nobody complained. Nobody everyone. was. Well, there was like three people. Like literally, you know, it was who, get, who gives a crap? I got to know. I just that was that was the funniest evening because we sat through, I think three or four films that evening. Oh wow! And um, they were they're all unmemorable, but Year of the Gun is the only one I remember because of the throbbing birthmark. Uh, it's actually a great a great punk band name. Actually. Yeah, throbbing birthmark. Yeah, no, patent pending, patent pending. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So that um, the other thing I picked up, uh, which I wasn't going to pay full price for, so, so I stole. Like it. I did for Year of the Gun. So I stole it. No, is um, the uh, the 4K? There's a 4K release, which I don't even have 4K, but it's a 4K release of Beetlejuice. That is uh, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Careful. It's uh, designed like the uh, the handbook for the recently deceased. That's what the case looks like. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, and it's got little extras, you know, little uh, you know, like a little the little ad, a little paper ad for for Beetlejuice, you know, the little ad that's in the movie. That's, that's a film I fell in love with Winona Ryder. Oh yeah, yeah. And it, it's um, you know what, you know what's a crime because I rewatched um, Norm Macdonald passed away, obviously, and I and there was a yeah, show that did. On Netflix, um, where he had, had like a weird little kind of talk show. And if you haven't seen it, people, I recommend at least watching the one with Michael Keaton because people forget how damn funny Michael Keaton is. Like, oh, no. Like, that, that, he, he just has one of the funniest lines ever. He's, in he's it. on fire on this show. Oh, and, yeah. And so McDonald mentions him like they're, they're really they're really making each other laugh. But everything he's throwing to Keaton, Keaton is just knocking out of the park. And he's and he says to Keaton, he's like, well, did you ever hear that that Sam Kinison was going to do the part of Beetlejuice? Because he would tell me, like, you see that the, the long coat he's wearing like that's I would wear that duster all the time like that's It was going to be me or something. And Keaton was like, I've never, uh, never heard that. But did you ever hear that Burton's original idea was going to be Sammy Davis Jr.? was going to play Beetlejuice. He wanted no. Sammy Jr. Yes. And it, I think it was a much, much darker story before, um, I think, I want to say Warren Scarin is who he got into. Warren Scarin, yeah, he was a very popular. Um, I think he, did he work on the first Batman as well? He did, he, yeah. Okay, did. so that was I, him and he grabbed I, him for, for, he had him for Beetlejuice and then brought him with for Batman. And I think he might have worked on Batman Returns. He died, he died, um, he died. Well, I mean, he died yeah. a while, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, I think. He didn't, he didn't live he long. Did. That. Yeah, he didn't live very long. But, uh, but Beetlejuice is just, and so as I looked it up, I'm like, well, because he, he asks him on the McDonald's show about, are we going to get another Beetlejuice? And he says, I, I, I don't know. And he said, are you being coy? He said, no, I'm not being coy. Warren Scarron died in 1990, by the way. 
Oh, so he died before Batman Returns even came out. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's tragic. Um, why they could not get another Beetlejuice movie off the ground, I do not understand for the life of me. Why did they need to? Well, um, the, the, it's, the, it's a perfect... It's a, it's a great character, though. When you've got yeah. a character that's like... Gets a cartoon for three seasons and a toy line well after the movie hits because it, it really found another life. It was a hit movie, but it found a real life on on video. And then you've got the character showing up at Universal Theme Park and all this stuff. Like, why wouldn't you make another film, especially when you could put Keaton in in makeup? It, does, it wouldn't be an age thing. It wouldn't really, really matter. But just when you read about the number of aborted attempts, you just go, why is this so complicated? Like, this thing would be massive if you did it. Um, uh, uh, never understood why, because sh we should have gotten more from that character because Keaton, because Keaton actually wasn't even in the final scene. That, that scene at the end, when he's in the waiting room, they added that scene because the previews were so, like, more Beetlejuice. Why isn't he in this more? Uh, they, they added that little scene because the, the audiences liked him so much. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's I, I'm, I, you can't sell me on Beetlejuice. I love Beetlejuice. Uh, the only negative to Beetlejuice for me is at that time when it came out. And oh, my God, how old is this movie? I want to say uh, 88, I think. I think it's 88. 88. So I was working in a kitchen. At that time, I was 17. I was working in the uh -huh. kitchen, and I loved the film. I saw it in the theater. And I told my boss that you should, and my verbally abusive <laughs> boss about it. You know, chefs are crazy people. and um, Especially at Burger King. Yes, this was not a Burger King. I know, this, this was a fancy restaurant. I, I, I was the prep prep guy at a fancy restaurant and um he hated beetlejuice um and he was pissed that i recommended the film to him what and he what brought it up for months wow like yeah but you recommended beetlejuice idiot what's he doing now he's dead um yeah. i guess, yeah, guess uh, that argument <sighs> He was one of those guys that you hated and loved. So, you know, like I, I mourn his death, but also like that guy made me cry a lot. <laughs> you know? And good. and by the way, I was I was making four dollars and twenty cents an hour working. It'd be ironic if he if he if he died in like a tragic haunting. He had a massive heart attack because he was insane. Uh, well, there you go. He was like, he was one of those guys that, like Beetlejuice himself, was uh, like, you loved him, but he was also an asshole. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, funny as hell. I, I can mm -hmm. honestly remember uh, working with him a couple of times and learning uh, some wonderful things to mess with people. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a very abusive art teacher in high school. And, I, you know, if you know me, I, I'm an artist. And uh, she she uh, did not think so. And, uh, you know, belittled me and put me down. And she ate at the restaurant. <laughs> oh, so, no. 
Oh, and okay. he kind of gave me this great advice of like, that's my art teacher. I freaking hate her. And he went, you know what you got to do right now? Make sure she knows you made her lunch. And I poked my head out the window and waved at her. And she waved back cautiously and I winked and kind of pointed at her and nodded and put my head back out the window. And uh, we had done nothing to her lunch. I was going to say that that story didn't quite get as sinister as I was hoping. Yeah, no, no. I thought it was. No, we we had not screwed with her lunch in any way, shape or form. But now she had to go, oh, that student I've belittled for two years. Yeah. He Whatever I'm eating. What happened and to her? What's that? Whatever happened to her? Who gives a damn? Um, well, I thought maybe she'd be dead too. I mean, it's a great story. They both ended up being dead. I wish that on anyone. No, of course but, not. Uh, she probably spent that, you know, the, the rest of the day thinking, did he touch my food? Did he do anything? Which. Oh, she thought about it a lot longer than that day. Yeah. Me. You thought about it for a good two weeks. It kept yeah, popping. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. And I'm glad. But, uh, yeah. you know, we made that lunch on knowing of her presence. and <laughs> But it just that whole, like, nodding and pointing at her. Oh, that was delightful. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. Uh, and she was, like, just for anyone listening, she was a terrible human being. Horrible. Um, um, so speaking of uh, horror and horrible things, the <laughs> other thing that I'm just about done watching that I was actually watching today, and I'm not sure we ever talked about it, is a, a little film from 1974 called Black Christmas. Oh, my oh. goodness. Bob Clark. Bob Clark. Did you did you know it was a Canadian film? You must have known. Yeah, it. absolutely. Filmed in Montreal and it's got a Canadian treasure. Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder. It's got Andrea Martin, who replaced Gilda Radner. Oh, isn't that Gilda, crazy? Gilda Radner was doing SNL. And my hero, John Saxon. John Saxon. The other dude that's in it, a Kier Dulay. Kier Dulay from Star Lost. Yeah. And, and um, the dude from, um, uh, you know his name. He's a Canadian. Had a really good-looking guy. He's got a got a hingle something hingle or pingle or tingle um he was in he was in the brood he's the ex-husband in the art brood. hindle art hindle art hindle by the way i believe is in some uh bringing it back to plaid stallions is in some fashion catalogs too oh he was a, he's he like was in a, some sears catalogs that and is, it's also got uh one of my major childhood crushes somebody i was just mentioning to my daughter Olivia Hussey. Olivia Hussey and and uh, the woman, uh, one of the victims, I should just say, um, and I can't think of her name, but is the romantic lead in Strange Brew. The one who is the niece, uh, the granddaughter of... Oh, the, my stars. Uh, I can't think. Lynn something? or Lynn Griffin. Lynn Griffin. Oh, my gosh. You're right. Oh, Wow. Is it is just filled with faces, you know, just everywhere you look. Canadian a, faces, strong. Yeah. She's Pam Elsinore. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh it, wow. It, I it, I need to revisit that. Yeah. 
it is a really good movie. It is you can see why it's it's been heralded as this sort of you know the the precursor to Halloween. Yeah, Doug McGrath is in it too. Uh, Doug and McGrath. you wouldn't know Doug McGrath all No, that in well. fact, I looked him up cuz I thought he was the other Doug McGrath. There's a younger Doug McGrath that's an actor and a writer and when I and I saw the name in the credits I went, "Oh, that can't be the same guy." He's, he's, Doug McGrath is in this terribly depressing uh, Canadian film called Going Down the Road about two East Coasters who go to Toronto to find their dreams. And it was wonderfully parodied on SCTV. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's called, uh, oh God, I can't remember what the, Cana- the SCTV version is called. But it's, it's, uh, it's absolutely wonderful. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, painful how good the SCTV version okay. is. Okay. And I, I've talked about how the same actress plays the same role in both versions. Oh. <laughs> because wow. we're Canadian and oh, funny. Yeah. Um so and I and my father in law saw it going down the road in the theater and he said, Yeah, we all just we all just left silent <laughs> after seeing that because it's, yeah. it, it was a slightly yeah, I, depressing the, Canadian the, film. There's another uh, guy. There's like a police lieutenant or a police man at the front desk that I got to look up because he's so familiar. Like he's I'm sure he's a Canadian dude as well, but he, he was in loads of stuff. A character actor. That was Doug McGrath. No, with the with the big eyes, the big eyes. Oh, I don't know. It's been a oh. long time. Okay, maybe it maybe it is him. He's kind of kind of goofy looking, but he's uh, maybe maybe it is him. But uh, but Saxon um, would have would have just come off of Enter the Dragon, right? Which was mega. That that's amazing. I mean, you I know? think he just dropped into this thing with you know a few days' notice, sort of. But it's really it it really holds up. Like it's really it's really. Um, it's Hitchcock, but it's also the, it's kind of like the precursor to the, to the slashers of, and you can see where where John Carpenter got. Yeah. You know, by the he, way, Doug McGrath is the guy with the big eyes. Okay, then yeah, and I, he is from Going Down the Road, which is a super depressing film, and he plays an amazing, like, East Coaster optimistic dude. Um, and I can't yeah. recommend Going Down the Road because it's sad. I thought. I- <laughs> I knew, but I've seen him in other stuff too. He's just one of those faces that pops up in in movies. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's a great it's it's a it's a movie worth revisiting. It's a little early because it's not Christmas yet, but um, yeah. Uh, but I am I am giving I'm getting the you know the horror out of my system. <laughs> uh, did you? Here's a little trivia that I never knew until a few days ago. Yeah. You know the opening crawl of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No, I've never seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, you've never seen it. No, uh, I think I've, only, I've only seen it maybe two or three times in my life. So nothing I, against. Yeah, I nothing think I passed it. out while watching it at a party once. Mm. Uh, it's a weird it's a really it's still a very strange film. It's one really of my close friends always told me that it's the kind of film that you watch and go, what the F did I just watch? And um, it's atmospheric. I, full disclosure, grew up uh, having a major uh, tragedy in my life, and I lost a family member to a murder. So 
anything with slashers doesn't super duper appeal to me. Yeah, uh, it do, it doesn't really the, the the genre never none of the '80s stuff and none of the like yeah. Halloween. You know, I, I admire Halloween is a masterpiece of terror. Right. This this that's why I never really latched on to the you know the hills have eyes and stuff like that. But Texas Chainsaw is is this weird. It's a weird concoction. It's a very um, you, I can sort of admire what it is for the time and how insane it is. I don't know why it's got such a following that it does. But the opening crawl is read by John Larroquette. Yes, I knew that. Which um, I never knew. I never, ever knew actually, this. Actually, that and, was something my good friend Brian told me years ago. And it reminds <laughs> me of the, um, the, um, the monster in Flesh Gordon. The, the claymation stop motion monster in Flesh Gordon being voiced by Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> I didn't know that. I just Coach love the monster. <laughs> it's right. I just love weird shit like that. But I never knew Larry Cat. And I, apparently he was a he was you know Texas native or something. And I don't know really? how he, how Hooper got to him, but said, can you sound like Orson Welles? And he said, of course I can. I'm an actor, whatever. And then he he did the opening crawl, which is a little Wellsian sort of. But um, And he's but doing that. Uh, Craig T. Nelson was also in two vampire movies. He was in The Return of Count Yorga and Scream, Blackula Scream. Is he in Scream, Blackula Scream? No yep. way. And no way. I want to point out that both of his characters, he is uh, very much... Like uh, the actor, uh, what was his name? Dolph Sweet. If you look at Dolph Sweet from Gimme a Breaks, uh, <laughs> IMDb, he Dolph is Captain, Sweet. Sergeant, Captain, Lieutenant. Yeah. <laughs> like he's always playing a cop. Yeah. And uh, Craig T. Nelson's first two film appearances ever, he is playing a character named Sergeant in vampire movies he is he, i'm trying to think of what he was in just prior to poltergeist because i always found him i found that an interesting casting. he was show. in private benjamin playing captain william Woolbridge. <laughs> he, he was also in where the buffalo roam a film i adore playing oh, cop right. <laughs> but he but but he was was it a, was it because private benjamin was that like a prominent role in private benjamin I, it, I have no idea i haven't seen that in forever because it's a great, it's a great casting. It's he's a great casting choice for the dad in Poltergeist. It's oh a, yeah, no, he's an everyman. You know, he's a perfect everyman in that. And um, then after that movie, you 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 couldn't you couldn't. I remember he was in a Wonder yeah. Woman, uh, and we were watching that in college. And that's the always thing I always hated about one like any female centric action show in the seventies is they had to be kind of dainty about how they beat people up like a man could punch him, a guy in the face but mm. it had to be ladylike mm-hmm. you know the bionic woman always had to kind of like push someone away yeah and i always hated that because it's like why like yeah. why can't i watch a woman beat someone up you know yeah. and um <laughs> we we're watching and this was probably the age of xena uh, no, it was just prior to Xena, I guess. Uh, we were watching 
uh, Wonder Woman, and she, like, picks up Craig Nelson. He's a big dude. And puts him on an office chair and, like, kicks it away. Nice. And we're killing ourselves laughing at the, really? (laughs) Good move. Yeah. And I've used that for years with my wife. Like, I'll be like, sit down, coach. Like, well, (laughs) at the time he was coach, right? Right. uh, We would just say, sit down, coach. Didn't he do do a show prior to coach that was like, it was, it was, it was after Top Gun and it was like. Yeah, it was called Call to Glory. Call to Glory. Wow. Yeah. That I've was never a, watched that. I've never seen Top Gun. I've never watched Call of Duty. Well, you can be my wingman any day. Anyway. Oh, thanks. Can we play volleyball really, really homoerotically? Way ahead of you. I got All the right. Let, I'll got get the my short shorts. Well, on that note, on the image of. Hey, I have one more film Brian, I want to talk about. Beach volleyball in our short shorts. Uh, no, go ahead, Brian. Brian, take us home with your final film after that. Okay, is. it's short. Um like my short shorts that I'm going to play volleyball <laughs> with you. I popped in a film today to be, you know, more horror based because of all the post-apocalyptic nonsense I've been doing. And I popped in a movie called The Thirsty Dead. Uh, I don't remember buying this. It is from Vinegar Syndrome. And it is a Philippines shot horror film. From 1974, it stars Vic Diaz, so I definitely did this. Ticking two boxes right away, Philippines. Yeah, yeah, and I rewatched it. You know, midway through, I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen this. God, Um, there's no way this exploitation film couldn't have been a TV movie of the week on any TV channel. There is no blood. Even though it is about a cult of people in the Philippines um, that drain people's blood for immortality. Uh-huh. And uh, this cult of Filipino people is somehow run, run by two white white people. That you know, like it's just that you know that the total thing that the leaders of the cult are somehow just white people. Yeah. Uh, but there's no blood, there's no gore, there's no horror to speak of really in the film. And I was actually kind of like, oh yeah, this sucks. That's why I've forgotten it. Um, so I'm going to go watch my favorite horror films for the month uh with my wife and we haven't we have picked out about three different films right now almost all carpenter films because you know my wife doesn't like universal she doesn't like hammer Mm. uh and my daughter loves universal my daughter loves the wolfman and stuff like that but uh we're gonna I'm going to definitely watch um, Halloween, Prince, or uh, 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 whatchamacallit, The Thing, and Halloween 3 this season. Mm-hmm. I'm also probably going to put on uh, 
Dracula versus Frankenstein because I love it. And um, I'm thinking for Universal, I, I might put on Bride of Frankenstein one night. I love it. I, I love, love it. Bride of Frankenstein. I'm, I'm How about you? I'm coming over. You know, I want, right. about, I want to say something about John Carpenter because I was having this great conversation with a buddy of mine the other day, and he's a huge Carpenter guy. And um, I find it really kind of fascinating that you never hear his name mentioned with the 70s, you know, movie brats or whatever they want to call them. You know, Lucas, Spielberg, De Palma, Scorsese, uh, you know, he 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 never really gets thrown in with that that generation. Um, I'm not sure why. I don't I think he's always been a little bitter about how the reviews were for Halloween, even though it was this massive, massive uh, movie. Um, but he's one of these guys that, and I forgot he directed Christine. I have, I've only seen Christine once or twice. I'm not, a, I'm not a real uh, big fan, but if you look at everything he did from, let's say maybe assault on precinct 13, I don't know if we need to include dark star at all, but, um, assault on precinct 13, right up to like Prince of darkness. Yeah. Um, what a track record. I well, mean, yeah. And, and the, the guys at red letter media, I know you're not, uh, a fan of them, but I am, and they've been ranking every John Carpenter film. Oh, and they've been doing kind of like back and forth lists. And um, my wife and I are huge fans of them, and we've been watching it, and we've been kind of devoted to it. This like they're, I think they're on episode two of a three episode series, and it's such a fun. Um, revisiting and disagreeing with them you know what i mean like uh yeah. i've yeah. enjoyed like i love carpenter and i've always loved carpenter and yeah. hearing their opinions of it i went out and bought the uh the blu-ray of in the mouth of madness great movie and great movie. you know I, I, yeah, I think, that's sorry. I take I take it back. I take it back. I'm gonna take it right up to in the mouth of madness. Mouth of madness was what 94, 93, yeah, 94, 95, um, 94. I think because that was the first movie that my friend Sean, like that was a big film that one of my closest friends worked on. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of disturbing stuff in that movie. It's, it's just, a good movie, Ed, but like that movie. was like. You know, Michelle and I were going back and forth, and we're like, we saw every Carpenter movie in the theater back then. Well, like, he did. He, he also had this this way of he never really told the same story twice. I mean, like every no. time every time he pushed the boat out, he was doing something different, a genre thing that was different. Halloween to the fog to uh, Escape from New York to the Thing to uh, Christine to Starman. Yeah. To, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, like he he kept doing different things, and, yeah. and I don't think he, you know, Starman was was probably less his. I, mean, I don't know if it was someone else's story, and Christine was obviously a, a a king thing, but the guy hit it out of the park. Even the ones that didn't work financially, and he got, you know, slaughtered for um for the thing. You know, the reviews yeah, were just which is horrible. But everybody came around to it, like Big Trouble in Little China. I saw that in the theater, and everybody hated it. But people have come around to it. Like, he really is um, – but you never really hear him talked about – I'm saying – I'm trying to say it I'm trying to say it in terms of consistency. If you yeah. want to put him up against – and I know this is sacrilege to say this – consistency of product, of of a finished product and sort of what, what there is, I think he's – 
he's right up there. I think he's more consistent than than Spielberg's career has been. Let's put it that way. I know Carpenter isn't really doing stuff much anymore. He's but he's 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 heavily involved with the new Halloweens, the David Gordon Green ones. Um, and, you know, signing off on stuff and giving, you know, doing the music and giving pointers and things like that. But um, you you lay those out end to end and there's there's really not a dud among them uh, right up to In the Mouth of Madness. I think maybe it's the, the next one he did was the remake of uh, Village of the Damned. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Um, yeah. But right up to In the Mouth of Madness, it's like, damn, that is a hell of a hell of a track. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm a huge Carpenter fan, so yeah. um, in the Mouth of Madness, I haven't seen in like 20 years, um, so I was excited to revisit that, and um, it's 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 one of the things that I'm excited about doing right now. It's, oh, you're gonna? It's it's. I think it's gonna. I was away from it for a long time, and when I tried it again, I was. Ple- by the way, we used to drive up to that church. Because it's filmed, not it's all filmed in Toronto, mm. and uh, we were kind of into that at the time. So it's it, going to be totally like a time uh, warp for us in terms of like. Also, when I buy a Blu-ray, often I watch them in the basement by myself, and my wife mm-hmm. was like, "No, I want to watch that one with you." That uh, one. Um, and even Prince of Darkness is disturbing. Oh, right. Yeah, we watch Prince of... I like Prince of Darkness very yeah. much. It's a, it's a forgotten gem. Just the, and, the notion uh, of the, we, the message, I, I the message that keeps her. the message that keeps coming through from... Yeah. I mean, it's still... That is a haunting yeah. know, image. And the the it's not a happy story. Uh, no, it's 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 depressing it's science happy. fiction horror. It's crazy. yeah, and and in the mouth of madness is very Lovecraft too. It's oh yeah, no, absolutely. Very Lovecraftian kind of kind of vibe to it. Um, yeah, I always I always go back into stuff for uh for Halloween. Yeah, no, I'm I'm actually super duper excited about it. Yeah, and um, I forget where we were going with this, but. Uh, what your schedule was for upcoming uh yeah okay yeah, yeah. thank you there you go uh, so i'm hoping to get a few halloween all right well you got some pictures time. out and uh i'm gonna do some fun stuff on the youtube channel and i'm gonna announce my new book on halloween fantastic and you know what it is i do know <laughs> what it is and i i'm just glad that somebody got the rights to heidi and oh, it's right another story for her because it's been my too wife's long. cousin Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> very excited. No, I'm very excited. And uh, I want to say to the world uh, that I got the reprint of um, uh, Rack Toys. Uh, Magical. Thank uh, you. Plastic, uh, crazy plastic, uh, plastic. What's the subtitle? Put crazy. Forward by Jason, a young Jason Lynch. Uh, a young nubile. Jason Lindsay, yeah. so, <laughs> naive Jason that, Lindsay. Oh, those were the. Days. Were we ever so young? I I don't know. I hard. I rarely barely recognized that voice. I was just I was barely a forty-one year old pup. I'd be lying if I said <laughs> the introduction wasn't my favorite part of the book. But <laughs> it's a great With book. The, the Roger Moore sunglasses, by the way, in the reprinting of it, because Nacelle had a, a different like press setting. Those Roger Moore sunglasses drove me crazy. Did it you think weird. each time you 
they were driving you crazy? Like, did you? The the Lord Elton-ness. Yeah, because they kept coming up in the report of saying, no, there's 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 something wrong with this image. And it was, you know. It's too cool. That's what it is. That's yeah, I was dealing it's with cool. also, like, a 10-year-old file uh, too of a book. Too freaking which, awesome to make it. Yeah, no, no, it, it all worked out. We're but um, but it's all great. good. And it's it's fun. It's a fun uh, read and you know page through and all the the extra stuff that's in there. Uh, so kudos on that uh, to you. I'm very proud Thanks, of you. Thanks, man. Yeah. Out. It, and, it was number and one on Amazon. It was just so fantastic. The magazine continues to to roll on and be get better with every issue. Um, Toy Ventures. It's such fun. Hey, and what did you think of the uh, Alex Ross piece that you wrote? I thought it was all right. I thought yeah. it was okay. Yeah, just okay. He was a he was he was a little cold. No, no. <laughs> the, the whole thing the whole thing was it was great. And uh, like I say, it gets better and better. And um, very very happy for you that it's uh, a labor of love that that people are loving. It's um it's getting bigger That's and bigger. Good. So uh, yeah, it's I'm great. I'm not quitting my gig anytime soon, but um very very happy with the success. And um, this is all motivated me to move forward and uh, i'm very appreciative of that and i will be and we might have some um brian and i have had had uh, deep dark conversations of the soul about some things we'd like to do we're adopting a cat regarding <laughs> regarding adopting a cat regarding pod stallions um yeah ways that we don't want to say much about right now but it, it could really really be something neat that um everybody can um can can yeah, sort of fun yeah yeah we'll keep watch this space and i want to get you uh i want to figure out the technology to get you on youtube live i'd love to do youtube live yeah um let's, let's do my, that let's do that soon. yeah i'll do let's that do I'll pod stallion soon and uh Let's also in 2022, um, let's hang out. I let's, would love to hang out. Let's let's figure that out and oh. do do some stuff on the road or something. I, I don't know. I haven't quite figured that out yet, but okay. You you I'm I'm down. To my that. wife keeps like, you know, COVID obviously, but um, my wife keeps saying I'm just gonna shove you on a plane, you know. <laughs> And she's like, either I'm gonna shove you on a plane to see Corey, or 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 Jason. And Aww. yeah, and it's like, all right, <laughs> oh, I'll go. Really, that's really sweet. Yeah, Just, I'm, you know, I'm uh, down. I looked at the, those guys, uh, the the guys you sent me the videos of the the two guys in the UK. Oh, isn't that lovely? Really nice, really really fun stuff. Oh yeah, the the Leicester. Yeah, those guys are amazing. Yeah, they have a really good presence and just really positive, you know, just like everything was like, oh, look oh, at that. Yeah. I'll put a link in this, guys. It's called yeah. Toy Shop on Tour. And oh, what a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful show. Um, I wish it was on television. Uh, yeah, just, it's really, it's really great. It's a ton yeah. of fun. Yeah. Um, so, okay, well, great. Well, there's Halloween episode number one. Uh, number uh, one, we will be back with number two, and we'll have 
a I will watch something better than the uh, Thirsty Dead. That's, <laughs> that's great. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. And uh, thank you, Brian. And Yeah, uh, no, it's awesome, buddy. Thanks. Before the end of the month. Good night, everyone. <laughs>